0: What a blessing to sing the Lord's praises together this morning. Well, I want to just uh, share a few quick uh, announcements with you today as we begin. I uh, wanted to make sure that those of you watching at home had a chance to hear these as well, so we saved them for uh, this time here before our sermons. Uh, last week, you may have heard uh, these announcements as well, but um, we had uh, some important news to share in regards to one of our beloved staff members here at Lakes Free Church, Bev Phillips, uh, our Care Ministries Director for the last 50 15 years here at Lakes free is going to be retiring this fall and uh, so uh, uh, the last uh, week of September will be her her uh, last week of employment here at Lakes free in her position and uh, we're certainly going to miss Bev she's been a huge huge blessing to our church for so many years and uh, and with her departure we wanted to uh, invite you to join us we're going to be having an open house celebration for Bev on the evening of Sunday September 20th so uh, if you want to Mark your calendars and come on out. That'll be at 6 p.m. that evening. It'll be uh, about an hour and a half open house style, so you can come as you're able. And uh, it's just a great opportunity for us to just express our love and thanks and appreciation uh, to Bev. So uh, please make note of that. Also, too, want to remind you and invite you to join us uh, here Sunday morning in two weeks, uh, August 23rd, for our baptism services. We're going to be having two worship services here as normal uh, at 8, 8.30, and 10.00. But uh, we've got about a half dozen people who are going to be baptized that morning, and we're really excited to celebrate their baptisms together. And so uh, if you're here either at the 830 service or the 1030 service, you'll have a chance to, uh, to join us in celebrating baptisms at uh, uh, one or both of those services if you should choose to attend them. Uh, we'll have our regular time of worship, our regular time of teaching, and then uh, at the end of the service, we're going to make our way outside and uh, celebrate those baptisms that morning. So it's going to be a great time, and I encourage you to come and join us for that. If you are still at all interested in being baptized this year, we would love to talk to you, but we need to hear from you soon. So here's the thing. Uh, if you've been on the fence about getting baptized, call the church office this week. Ask to talk to Pastor Stephen, and we'll get you uh, all the information you need to know uh, to, uh, to join us as part of that baptism service. It's uh, a great step of faith. It's an act of obedience to our Lord. It's something that all of us as believers uh, should participate in. And so we really want to encourage you to uh, consider that if it's something that you haven't had an opportunity to do yet at this point in your life. Well. This morning, we are going to be continuing on in our series in the life of Joseph. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been uh, personally extremely blessed over the course of this summer as we've had the chance to study uh, the life of Joseph and see God's sovereign work in, in orchestrating his protection and provision for the nation of Israel. And today, we're going to continue on in this series, but uh, we are now hitting the home stretch here, friends. We have about three weeks left in our uh, series studying the life of Joseph. Uh, If you've been with us here in recent weeks, you'll know that uh, we've seen God has done some incredible things here in the life of Joseph and his family. And uh, we're going to continue on with that story here this morning. Just yesterday I was uh, up at our family's cabin. Uh we have a place near Hayward, Wisconsin, up in northern Wisconsin, uh, up uh, up in northern Wisconsin. And uh I was sitting out uh, down by the lake shore watching my kids do some swimming and uh all of a sudden some activity in the trees around me started catching my attention. I began to notice these squirrels running around, uh, jumping around from branch to branch. And there were four or five of them and they were just full of activity. I mean, just all over the place, running around, jumping, climbing, chasing each other, uh, all over the place. And I couldn't stop watching these squirrels. It was just fascinating. And, and as I saw these squirrels running from place to place, from tree to tree, from branch to branch, it started getting me thinking of how much our lives are like the activity of those squirrels. You know, so oftentimes it feels like, at least for me, I'm just running from one thing to the next, uh, you know, busy from meeting to meeting, uh, work responsibilities to family responsibilities. And it's like there's just this constant race of activity in our lives, where we're just going from one thing to the next. And, and, and I looked at these squirrels and I thought, you know what, we're not very different from these crazy squirrels running around. But it was interesting because as I watched those squirrels, after a few minutes, I began to notice that the activity of these squirrels wasn't pointless, The activity of these squirrels wasn't random yeah they were running around all over the place but the more i watched them the more i began to recognize that these squirrels were actually very focused and very much on a particular task see these squirrels as i began to watch and notice more closely were jumping around these trees running from tree to tree scouring the ground and all along They were looking for nuts, for acorns. These squirrels were gathering their acorns in preparation for the winter. And I started thinking about how many times over the summer I've been watching these squirrels running around the yard, and I began to realize the whole time, the whole time. If you watch the squirrels in your yard, the whole time, what are they doing? They're gathering acorns. They're storing up. They're preparing for the coming winter their activity was very intentional, very purposeful, very much focused and directed. And the more I thought about that, and the way we too run through life from thing to thing, from place to place, from activity to activity, the more I started to question myself, does my life share the same kind of focus and intentionality and purpose as those squirrels? Am I single-mindedly focused on the pursuits that matter most? You know, those squirrels knew they didn't have time to waste. They, They couldn't afford to get distracted with all the peripheral distractions around in the woods. They were focused on the task of collecting the nuts in preparation for the coming winter. And I started thinking how, as God's people, friends, we too need to have this single-minded focus. We too need to recognize that that our lives are short. The time is short. We don't know when the Lord is going to return. It may be very soon. And how are we using the time God has given us? Are we focused in, in pursuing the things that matter most in this life? Or are we running around from tree to tree, place to place, chasing after trivial things? Things that ultimately aren't going to matter a whole lot. Friends, I I want my life to count. I want to be focused on the things that matter most. And I think all of us would agree that ultimately we want our lives to be about those ultimate priorities. So this morning we're going to talk about that reality. We're going to ask the question, How can we prosper in this world in the things that matter most? How can we prosper in in the stuff that counts for eternity? And these are questions that, as we're going to see, our passage this morning actually helps to answer for us. In the examples of Joseph, in the example of Jacob, we're going to see what a life of prosperity in this world looks like. The, The pilgrim's prosperity, friends. This world is not our home. We're going to see in our passage this morning, Jacob, Israel, refers to himself as a sojourner, a sojourner, a pilgrim, a traveler temporarily passing through. This world is not our home. What does the pilgrim's prosperity look like in this world? What does that life of single-minded devotion look like for God's people? See, there's a prosperity that has an eternal value. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew six nineteen through 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, I want to encourage us this morning to live a life of purpose. A life of true prosperity. A life of eternal prosperity. Spending ourselves on the things that matter the most. Well, in recent weeks, we have seen how God has been sovereignly orchestrating events in the life of Joseph, in the lives of his brothers, in the life of his father, Jacob, in the life of the nation of Israel and their leader, Pharaoh, ultimately working all things together to the point where Joseph, after having been sold into slavery in Egypt and all of the miraculous events that led to his rise to power in Egypt, the number two man in Egypt... After all these miraculous events, God has now orchestrated this incredible reunion of Joseph and his family. And remember, God had a specific plan and purpose in this. Remember last week, Pastor Stephen talked about how God brought Joseph's family, his brothers, his father Jacob, Israel, to Egypt for a specific purpose. He had the plan of using Egypt as an ark an ark, a a savior, a, a source of blessing and prosperity for God's people to lead them through the time of famine that was engulfing the world. God had put Joseph in this position of power to protect his people and to save his people and to preserve them for his future plans for the world. God had promised Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 that he was going to bless Abraham and make him into a great nation. And through Abraham, all the peoples of the world would be blessed. And and we see this taking place here in the story as God has led his people now into Egypt to protect them, to preserve them here in this foreign land temporarily during this season of famine to build them up, to grow them, to prosper them so that ultimately they could return to the promised land and be his people, providing blessing to the world. That was God's agenda in all of this. And and as we're going to see in our passage this morning, God did prosper Israel and his family greatly in Egypt. He prospered them with many material blessings, with with growth as a family, with wealth as a family. But I want to argue this morning, friends, that there's an even greater prosperity that we see here in our passage today. There's an even greater prosperity that God desires for his people than simply the material blessings of this world. There's a prosperity that has eternal value. And, and that's the prosperity I want us to focus on and learn from and hopefully take away and apply to our own lives today. So, so we're going to look at our, our passage this morning. We're in Genesis chapter 47 today. And as we look at our passage, I want us to look and and think through together three pursuits that we see here in our passage. In the examples of Joseph and Jacob, three pursuits that lead to a prosperity of eternal value. If you'd like, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of our scripture. Don't feel obligated to do this, but if you want to stretch your legs a little bit here as we get into our sermon, feel free to stand and join us. We're in Genesis chapter 47, verses 1 through 31. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and all they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, Joseph took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all of his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of our livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh and give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate." So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their fields because of the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land, and the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh." So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have a fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him, Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What an interesting story as we see the ways in which God prospered Israel in the land of Egypt. But not just how God prospered Israel, but how he used Joseph and his wise administration to prosper Pharaoh, and to literally save the people of Egypt. Friends, all of this was in fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham hundreds of years earlier, that he would make him into a great nation, and that through Abraham all the peoples of the world would be blessed. We see this blessing of all the peoples of the world begin to unfold, even here in our story of how Joseph Protected and provided for the people of Egypt. In our passage this morning, I want to highlight for us today three pursuits, three pursuits that we see in the lives of Joseph and, and Jacob, or I'm sorry, Joseph and Jacob, three pursuits that lead to an etern- a prosperity of eternal value, a prosperity of eternal value. Because while God prospered the nation of Israel materially, with material wealth and growth as a nation there was a prosperity that God was even more greatly concerned for and that was their spiritual prosperity and we see this prosperity play out in the lives of Joseph and Jacob so as pilgrims in this world friends I want to suggest today as pilgrims in this world that we should pursue three things number one And the first thing that we see here in our passage this morning, we should pursue a life set apart unto him. We should pursue a life set apart unto God. In our passage this morning, we see the beginnings of Joseph settling his family in the land of Egypt. If you recall last week at the end of chapter 46, Joseph had begun to concoct a plan with his brothers to assure that they would be settled in a particular area of Egypt, the land of Goshen. It was a fertile land in the, in the Nile Delta River Valley. It, it was a land of great produce, a land where their flocks and herds would flourish. And here in our passage this morning, we see as Joseph brings his brothers into the presence of Pharaoh, once again, they appeal to Pharaoh to allow them to settle in the land of Goshen. Now friends, I want us to recognize this morning that Joseph was not intent on settling his brothers in Goshen simply for the goal of their material prosperity, It wasn't just the fact that this was a fertile land, a a great area for livestock, that Joseph was so intent on making sure his family landed in Goshen. You see, Joseph wanted his brothers and his father and their families in Goshen because Joseph understood that as pilgrims in this world, friends, we can never truly prosper. When we are overly entangled in the culture and the affairs of this world, God desires that His people live set apart, lives of holiness, not overly entangled in the affairs of this world. J- Joseph wanted his family settled in Goshen, which was not even close to the cultural center of life in Egypt. And if you recall from our story earlier, Joseph Joseph understood that his family had a propensity to turn away from the Lord. You might recall back in Genesis chapter 38, the second week of our series in the life of Joseph. the, The story of Joseph in the second week turns from Joseph's being sold into enslavement back to the story of his brother Judah. And Genesis 38 begins with these words, And Judah turned aside from his family to a certain Adulamite. And if you remember the story of Judah in Genesis 38, Judah strayed from his family, the family of God's blessing, and went and dwelt among the people of Canaan. And he took for himself a pagan wife, and from that point on, Judah's life began to spiral downwards into a series of moral depravity. Judah's two sons died. We see Judah uh abusing his daughter in law. We see Judah uh, practicing uh soliciting prostitutes. We see you know the sin that was present in the land of Canaan. And Joseph understood I need to protect my family. I need to make sure that they don't get overly entangled in the affairs of this world, and the affairs of Egypt. I'm not going to settle my family in the heart of Egypt. I don't want my family living in the cultural hub of Pharaoh's court because I know that my family has a propensity to stray. And so I'm going to make sure my family settles in Goshen. See, Joseph wanted to protect his family. He understood that the pilgrim's true prosperity is found in the pursuit of holiness. Friends, did you know that? One of the ways that we experience true prosperity in this life is by pursuing holiness before the Lord. Being a people set apart for the Lord. Being a people set apart for His pleasure, for His service. Not becoming overly entangled in the affairs of this world. This is a message found throughout God's Word from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, for example, the Apostle Paul says you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. As people who have been saved by God's grace and, and come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility, Paul says, to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He goes on in this passage later, he says, you need to reject, put off your old self, your old sinful ways, which belong to your former manner of life, Paul says. The the life that was corrupt through deceitful desires. And instead, he says, the goal of the believer should be to be renewed, to be made new in the spirit of our minds. And to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That should be our heart's desire, friends. To put off the old self and to walk in newness of life, set apart unto the Lord, pursuing true righteousness and holiness, growing in Christ's likeness. That should be the cry of the believer's heart. Joseph understood that it was this pursuit of holiness that was most essential to his family truly prospering in this world and so he settled his family in Goshen and not in Giza friends you know where Giza is Giza is where the great pyramids are I've been there visited the pyramids of Egypt Giza in ancient Egypt was the cultural heart of Egypt it was the cultural hub of Egypt Why didn't Joseph settle his brothers in Giza? It's because he didn't want them in the cultural hub of Egypt. He didn't want his family entangled in the affairs and the influences of this world. He settled them in Goshen, where they could be set apart unto the Lord. And friends, one of the saddest realities for Christians in our world today is when we become overly entangled in the things of this world where we become overly entangled in the affairs and the concerns and the pursuits of worldly things. And we need to follow Joseph's example of settling our lives in Goshen and not in Giza. I think one of the main reasons why we see the decline of Christianity in our culture today, why we see the impotence of the church today, is because too many Christians in our culture have put down roots in Giza when we should be dwelling in Goshen. We've become too comfortable in this world. We don't look any different from Giza. And Joseph reminds us, we need to settle and put down our roots in Goshen. Friends, when we look too much like the world around us, we lose our power. We lose our vitality. We lose our influence and our witness. Whenever we choose work over our spiritual walk, whenever we choose money over ministry, porn over prayer, booze over our Bibles, fun and games over our family, our security over our service, our comfort over Christ. Friends, anytime we choose the stuff of the world over God's priorities for our lives, We've settled in Giza instead of Goshen. Friends, we end up looking no different from the world around us. And we lose our vitality as witnesses to the gospel. And so I want to ask you this morning, I think one of the main applications in this whole passage today, where are you dwelling? Where are you dwelling today? Have you set up shop in Giza? Or are you living a life set apart to the Lord in Goshen? Friends, we can't avoid being in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. Choose to honor Christ by pursuing a life of faithfulness to him, of righteousness and holiness by being set apart from the pursuits and affairs of this world. Now, secondly, this morning, as as pilgrims in our world, We see the example here that we should pursue a life of blessing to others. We should pursue a life of blessing to others. In verses 7 through 26, we see how both Joseph and Jacob extended blessing to the world. And we too, friends, need to be a people of blessing, both in word and in deed. In the words we speak and in the actions, the way we live our lives. We see this here in our passage. In verses 7 through 10 of our passage this morning, we, we find this incredible scene. We we see this humble old shepherd, Jacob, also known as Israel, the name God had given him. We see Israel coming into the presence of Pharaoh, humble, old, over a 100 years old, walking into the presence of Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth at this time. And here Jacob offers a blessing to Pharaoh. In verse 7 we read, Then Joseph brought Jacob his father in, and he stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now friends, Moses, who wrote these words, doesn't elaborate on this blessing. But I'll tell you something, every Israelite who read those words would have understood that this was no small gesture on the part of Jacob. For Jacob to offer a blessing was a big, big deal in the Hebrew understanding of just what it means to bless someone. See, for us to fully understand and appreciate what's going on here, we need to understand two things this morning. We need to understand the significance of blessing in the Hebrew culture, but we also need to recognize the picture of contrast that's going on here between Jacob and Pharaoh. What does it mean for an Israelite, for an ancient Hebrew, to offer a blessing of someone? Well, when we read in Scripture... A blessing being offered on behalf of another person. Every single time we see a blessing offered in Scripture, we discover that it's actually an expression of hope in God's faithfulness to the person being blessed. It's conveying a personal desire that God in his faithfulness would bless the person you're speaking a blessing upon. To to offer a blessing in, in, in Hebrew culture was almost like a prophetic experience. It was, it was with the understanding in Hebrew culture that a word spoken on behalf of God was as good as a deed that was done. Now obviously as, as finite human beings, we don't have the power to call upon God's will and, and bring into being anything we desire. So, so there's not exactly that specific connotation of a prophetic, this is definitely going to happen. But when a Hebrew would bless somebody, it was asking God to demonstrate his faithfulness to that person in a specific way. And many times in Scripture we see these blessings then prophetically fulfilled. And so when Jacob blesses Pharaoh, what Jacob was doing here was actually conveying on Pharaoh the favor of God. Jacob was speaking a blessing into Pharaoh's life, believing and expecting that God would fulfill that blessing. And of course, in our passage, we see God do just that. God honored Jacob's blessing in the life of Pharaoh, and God blessed Pharaoh abundantly through Jacob and through Joseph. God had told Abraham hundreds of years earlier, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Pharaoh, under the blessing of Jacob, blessed Israel and in turn received God's blessing over his life. And friends, I want you to notice not only the reality of the blessing that Joseph spoke, but I also want you to notice the contrast that we see here in this scene. Here's this humble old shepherd Jacob, right? I mean, you can just picture, you know, Joseph, you know, carrying his father in, you know, leaning on his shoulder, walking him in to see Pharaoh. Not only was Joseph, you know, hundred over a hundred years old at this time, but he was he was just a humble man. He was a shepherd, and we already saw last week in Genesis 46 that shepherds were despised by the Egyptians. So so you can imagine this humble old man being ushered in by his son Joseph and the court of the Pharaoh looking on at this shepherd with almost this air of disgust as he comes into the presence of Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth, in all of his wealth all of his opulence, a man who Egypt literally believed was God in flesh, the divine manifestation of Ra, the sun god. And here, this humble old shepherd, Jacob, blesses Pharaoh, the man that the Egyptians saw as God in the flesh. Friends, this was a powerful thing that took place for all of Pharaoh's splendor. For all of Pharaoh's power, Jacob had the one thing that Pharaoh didn't possess. Jacob had the one thing that Pharaoh truly needed, the blessing of God Almighty. And so Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Friends, I want to encourage us here this morning. Every single one of us here today who is a follower of Jesus Christ, we too have a powerful blessing to offer the world. No matter who you might meet, no matter who you might encounter, no matter their standing or status, no matter their wealth or privilege, every single one of us in this world has a blessing to offer, a blessing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we can experience true prosperity in this world is by living our lives with the goal of sharing that blessing with others. Let me ask you this morning, are you looking for opportunities in your life to extend that blessing to others? To share the hope of the gospel with others? I, I, I go through my life and, and I have my radar attuned every day for opportunities to try to share the gospel with people. And if you're looking for them, friends, you'll find them all over the place. This world needs the blessing of the gospel that we have to offer. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we were up in Door County, Wisconsin. We were having breakfast at Al Johnson's Swedish restaurant and the place was packed with tourists and we ended up getting into a discussion with a couple sitting at a table right across from us. They were from Texas and they were sharing about, you know, how they can't believe all that's going on in our culture today and the turmoil and the riots and just, you know, all the craziness going on. And, and when they found out we were from the Twin Cities area, they, they made the comment, wow, it must be crazy there in Minneapolis. And, and you know what? I took this as an opportunity i responded i said man you know what the world needs jesus the world needs jesus now i didn't know where these people were in their walk with the lord spiritually i didn't know if they knew anything but the reality is the world needs jesus what's the answer to all the rioting and chaos in our culture it's not politics it's not economics it's jesus The world needs Jesus. And so I just made that comment. Well, it turns out that these two were actually Christians. And so they were like all excited, you know. They they agreed with me wholeheartedly. But it was very interesting because we actually had a Muslim waitress from Turkey who was serving us, who was listening into this conversation the whole time. And I knew she was listening in, and I knew she was a Muslim because I had already talked with her. And so I began to share out loud for anyone in our vicinity to hear about the importance of following God and his will for our lives, and how true life and joy is only found in Jesus. He's the answer. And this young lady was listening in. Now, I didn't have a chance to to go much deeper with her, but I took that opportunity to plant that seed in her life and in the lives of anyone else who might have overheard. Friends, we have a blessing to offer the world in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of that blessing. Look for opportunities to share that blessing. Now, as our passage continues, we see Jacob's blessing in words. So while Jacob blessed Pharaoh in words, we, we see his blessing ultimately fulfilled by Joseph's blessing in action. God used Joseph and his wise administration to literally save the people of Egypt. Now, now we got to be careful about how we read this passage. We need to avoid the temptation to look at Joseph's administration of the situation through our Western, American, democratic, capitalist values, okay? We need to remember those things didn't exist 2000 BC, okay? These weren't realities back in the time of, of Jacob and Joseph. So, so when Joseph orchestrates this effort to basically nationalize the agricultural industry here of Egypt, Okay, Putting all the agriculture under the control of Pharaoh and his government and basically turning the people of Egypt into serfs, creating a feudalist system where the people served and worked for Pharaoh. We need to understand here, friends, God isn't prescribing for us his ideal form of government and economy here in this passage. Okay, that's not what this is about. And we know that because when God's people go back to the land of Canaan, the promised land, God doesn't institute this same kind of system there in Israel. God doesn't institute this kind of same system anywhere in Scripture other than in this circumstance in ancient Egypt. We can learn a couple things through that. Number one, I think we can learn that throughout history, God has worked in powerful ways through a variety of governments, through a variety of economies. In fact, one of the greatest explosive growths of the church has taken place in the last 70 years in communist China as the church has grown by leaps and bounds. So God can work through all kinds of human governments. We also need to recognize here that, again, while this was basically creating this this serfdom of the people, at the end of the day, the people were the ones who brought the idea to Joseph. They offered themselves. This was a life and death situation. They offered themselves. And Joseph treated them very fairly providing them food, providing them seed, creating a taxation system of 20%. You give Pharaoh a fifth, you keep four-fifths. How many of you would like to pay 20% in taxes? I think a lot of us here this morning. That's not too bad when you think about it. All right? So again, we got to be very careful about overly critiquing Joseph's means. The, the, the point of this passage here is to recognize that God used the wisdom of Joseph... To protect and preserve not only the people of Israel, but to bless the people of Egypt and to literally save their lives. And the people of Egypt acknowledge that and recognize that. Friends, when we look at the application here, we need to ask ourselves, how can we, just like Joseph, live our lives in a way that we serve as a blessing to others? How can we extend our lives in this world so that we bless others not just in word but also in deed through our actions, through through, through our work in this world? Have you ever asked that question? How can I be a blessing in this world? I, I, I mean, sure, Joseph. I mean, he's this big Bible character. Of course, he's going to bless people. How can God use me, friends? Let me give you a little hint. Begin by using your gifts, your talents, and your passions. Ask yourself, what gifts, what talents, what passions has God given me? And then ask the question, how can I use these things that God has given me to be a blessing to others? It's been awesome to watch here at Lakes Free over the last three months our renovation project unfolding, taking place. We've had an army of volunteers here that have been working behind the scenes to, to do almost all of the work on our church's renovation. We've had people with carpentry experience. We've had electricians. We've had designers. We've had engineers. We've had painters. A whole crew of volunteers who have saved our church literally over $100,000 by using their gifts and talents on behalf of the Lord to be a blessing to others. That's how it works, friends. This past weekend, I got an email from Karen Selby. Some of you know Karen Selby. She's one of our church's missionaries, works with Missionary Evangelism to Correction. She was asking me, Jason, can I use some of your sermon material to create curriculum for our prison ministry? And I'm thinking to myself, now here's this lady. She's not going to be doing renovation work. She's not picking up a saw and a hammer, building a stage. That's not her gifts. But what are her gifts? She can write biblical curriculum to use to bless prisoners. That's using your gifts, talents, and passions in service of the Lord. Wednesday night, I was fishing at Mike and Diane Hirsch's house with my son Caleb. Diane invited us up to their deck and fed us this great dessert. And as we're sitting there talking, we started talking about our church's missions work over the years, and, and specifically our work in Guatemala. And Mike started sharing stories about how he used to go and regularly serve in medical missions down there in Guatemala. And that got me thinking about other people in our church, guys like Matt Struve, another local dentist who goes to the Philippines every two years and and does medical dental work. And, And Dr. Paul Post, who has gone to South America doing medical missions work. What are these guys doing? They're using their professional gifts, talents, and abilities to be a blessing to others. Friends, how do you bless the world? Here's the key. Do what you love to do Do what you do best and do it to the glory of God. And you can be a blessing to the world. That's a life of true prosperity. And then lastly this morning, as pilgrims in this world, we should pursue a life of faith in God's promises. A life of faith in God's promises. Our passage ends with this interesting scene of Jacob as he comes to the end of his life calling Joseph in. And and basically compelling Joseph, arguing with Joseph, take me back, don't let me be buried in Egypt. Take my bones back to the promised land. I want to be buried in Canaan, in the land where my fathers are buried. And jacob makes joseph swear this oath by putting his hand under his thigh now friends i'll tell you something i am so thankful in our culture today we just shake hands you know what i'm saying but in this ancient culture they would literally put their hand on the thigh i mean the most intimate part of your body as a sign of commitment to the swearing of the oath that they were making it was a serious matter and so joseph promises his father jacob i will take you back to the promised land You know something, one of Satan's greatest strategies for keeping us from knowing true prosperity, friends? He tries to distract us by taking our eyes off of the eternal inheritance that is ours in Jesus Christ. He tries to lure us by buying into the lie that this world is a better home. And we forget that our true home is heaven. We forget the promise of eternal life and the blessings of our eternal inheritance and we get so caught up and distracted in this world but we see here in our passage jacob didn't buy that lie jacob never wavered in his confidence in god's promises to him and his ancestors jacob didn't want to be buried in goshen because that wasn't the land of promise god had promised them canaan take me back to canaan and in that declaration joseph was saying to jacob jacob was saying to joseph and all of his ancestors we do not belong in egypt Canaan is God's promised land. Jacob never settled for Egypt, friends. And we too should never settle for this world. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of Jacob and his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. All these died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, friends, for Jacob, it wasn't even so much Canaan was his ultimate goal. Joseph and Jacob understood that Canaan represented a true home, their heavenly home, their eternal relationship with our creator God. And they had faith in God's promises. And so Jacob said to Joseph, swear to me that you'll take me home to Canaan. You know, friends, as we journey through this life, we need to keep our eyes on the promise of our glorious inheritance as God's children. We, we can't allow ourselves to get too comfortable in a world that's not our home. We need to live with eternity's values in view. We need to live with our feet on earth and our hearts in heaven. And we do that by keeping our eyes on the promises, the eternal promises that God has given us of our glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, I want to just point out one last thing in verse 31. I want you to notice how our passage ends this morning. After Jacob makes Joseph commit to this promise to bring him back to the promised land and bury him there, then verse 31 tells us that Jacob, Israel, bowed himself upon the head of his bed. He bowed himself on the head of his bed. Friends, please understand, Jacob wasn't falling asleep here. When we read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews cites this very incident and tells us that Jacob bowed his head in worship. See, this was an act of faith. This was an expression of Jacob's confidence in God's promises. Jacob's hope in God naturally manifested itself in a posture of worship. Worship. And friends, I want to ask you this morning, what's the posture of your heart today? What's the posture of your heart today? Do you share the pilgrim heart of Jacob? Are you bowed in worship of the Lord, hoping in his promises? Or is your heart bent towards the things of this world? In Matthew 6.33, Jesus told his disciples, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do we do this? We do this by following the examples of Jacob and Joseph. By living a life set apart unto the Lord. A life of blessing to others. And a life of faith in God's great promises. Friends, this is the path of the pilgrim's prosperity. Let's stay focused on that path. Let's live for things that count for eternity. Let's pray to God. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this passage this morning, and I thank you for the testimony of Joseph and Jacob that we see here. In their faithfulness, Lord, in serving you and putting you first and, and living with the desire to be set apart unto you, people pursuing holiness and righteousness, And while living in this world as sojourners, as pilgrims, seeking opportunities to bless others in word and in deed, and then never losing hope in our eternal promises, the eternal inheritance that is ours because of Jesus Christ. God, let us follow their example. Let us apply their example in our lives and be people who pursue things of eternal value. Help us not to get too caught up in the things of this world and too entangled in the affairs of this world, but help us to be people who live for you and your glory, always with our feet on earth and our hearts in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for this great model and testament. May we live it out in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm going to invite you to stand for our benediction this morning. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Live for the things that matter most. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here. And I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.